You're at the right place at the right time. You found the number one podcast that entertains the space between your ears. It's super califragilistic, I hope you enjoy the show. If you're like me, you're going to laugh a lot. We invite you to pull up a chair. Be Relax and get ready to take a trip to the vacation kingdom of the world. So, grab your magic bands and your Mickey ears. Here we go. Because it's time for another episode of the Mousecapades Podcast. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem. Happy Monday, Mousecapades listeners! I hope you had a great weekend. This is Vicki, and I'm here with Kaylee, and you're listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. This is episode 312. Last week, we learned about the history of the Sherman Brothers and played some of their music with a little bit of background on each song, and it had such a great response that we decided to continue with some more of the amazing songs from Dick and Bob, as we learn they like to be called. But before we start, we would like to encourage you to check out our friends at WaltExpress.com for Disney deals, tips, tricks, and all things Disney. The Sherman Brothers, or Dick and Bob as they le- we learn they like to be called, use their talents to create some of the most amazing and memorable songs in the past century. The first song that I'm going to mention is Supercalifragilistic from Mary Poppins. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Cause I was afraid to speak when I was just a lad My father gave me nails a tweet and told me I was bad But then one day I learned a word to say we ain't a nose The, the biggest word you ever heard and this is how we go Oh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious He'd use his word and all would say, there goes a clever gent. When Dukes and Martin Rogers pass a time of day with me, I say me special word and we'll be off, we'll off the tea. Woo! Backwards, which is docious, alley, expiistic, fragicali, rufus, but that's going a bit too far, don't Indubitum. you think? So when the cat has got your tongue, there's no need for dismay. Just summon up this word, and then you've got a lot to say. But better use it carefully, or it could change your life. For example, uh, yes. One night I said it to me girl, and now me girl's me wife. Oh, 
and a lovely thing she is too. <laughs> she is As I'm sure most of you know, this song was made popular in 1964 with the release of Mary Poppins, as I mentioned before. And the movie tells us that supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is a word that we say when we don't know what else to say. It's probably one of the Sherman Brothers' more celebrated legacies. However, the nonsensical word that they used caused a multi-million dollar legal battle. And I don't think I knew this, Kaylee. Did you know that before? I didn't. Okay, so... Apparently, many people, when the song became popular, claimed that they had made this word. And so they sued the Sherman brothers over it, but they did not win because they didn't have it. That's, I think, where the patent thing came in and and, uh, they did not win. But yeah, they had a legal battle over the song, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And ironically, I don't know, I may have told you this before, that was a third grade bonus word for us when I was in third grade. That's quite a word for third grade. Well, she was trying to challenge us, and we said, we want a bigger word, because it seemed like the bonus words were not very big, and she was a big Mary Poppins fan, and so she said, okay, anybody who can learn this word gets five bonus points. So, of course, I had to do it, because I love Mary Poppins. (laughs) Now, the song I'm going to first talk about is also from Mary Poppins, and it's Chim Chim Cheree. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cheree. A sweep is as lucky as lucky can be. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cheroo. Good luck will rub off when I shake hands with you. Or blow me a kiss. And that's lucky too. Now as the ladder of life has been strung, you might think a sweep's on the bottom most rung. Though I spends me time in the ashes and smoke, in this all wide world there's no happier bloke. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cheree. A sweep is as lucky as lucky can be. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cheree. Good luck, we rub off. When I shake hands with you, chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cheree. A sweep is as lucky as lucky can be. Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cheree. Good luck will rub off when I shake hands with you. I choose me bristles with pride, yes I do. A broom for the shaft and a brush for the flu. Chim chimini, chim chimini, chim chim cheree. When you're with a sweep, you're in glad company. Nowhere is there a more happier crew than them horses. Chim chim cheree, chim cheroo. Chim chimini, chim chim cheree, chim cheroo. 
So this song won an Oscar and a Grammy for its musical score, and it was inspired by a picture of a chimney sweep that was drawn by the Mary Poppins screenwriters. So the Sherman brothers asked the screenwriters about the picture, and they said that British folklore says that chimney sweeps shake hands, and that is supposed to bring good luck. So the brothers then said that Chim Chim Cheree should be the theme song for the character of Bert, and Bert sang the full song on the rough, but he also hummed and or sang snippets to himself other places within the movie. I thought that was really interesting. I wanted to know what it brought them good luck. Like, good luck, don't fall off the roof. It didn't say. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, they make it. I mean, obviously, real chimney sweeps don't sing and dance while they're doing their jobs. But like, they did show in the elaborate dance number how they were doing much, much of their job dangerously on purpose. They were right. hopping around buildings and all that kind of stuff, so maybe. And having a good time. I mean, it's a very fun song. I love watching that in the movie. Yeah, I do remember a long time ago I had watched, maybe it was a Mary Poppins documentary or maybe it was just something I had read, but I do remember learning that they originally said that the song was way too long and they needed to cut a lot of it because they said this is a children's movie. It's going to be way too long. We need to cut a lot of it. But they decided all of it was too important and they ended up keeping all of it because the sequence in the movie is very long. I think it exceeds 10 minutes. And they said, this is just going to go on too long. The watchers are going to get bored. We need to fix this. But I mean, the whole thing is done so well that it's not boring. You don't think it's over 10 minutes. And I'm glad they kept it all because that would have been, it wouldn't have been as good if it was just a short little snippet. Well, and I was trying to remember when we watched Saving Mr. Banks because they had all the literal sketch and everything that they used when they were making Mary Poppins in for real life with Walt Disney. If we saw the Chim Chim Cheree, but they didn't really talk about Chim Chim Cheree in the movie Saving Mr. Banks, right? I, I mean, I was trying to think back. I didn't have time to go and watch the movie again. Well, I think compared, because at least in Saving Mr. Banks, if you have not seen it, listeners, it focuses on P.L. Travers and how she was very particular with how she wanted her book portrayed. Right, And right. so I think they focused on all the songs Songs like Super Califragic, Fragilistic, and the other songs that Mary Poppins sings, like The Spoonful Spoonful of of Sugar, Sugar. they focus on all of those because they were things that she thought were ridiculous. They were made up words. They didn't didn't express anything that she wanted them to. But I feel that this song, compared to so many of the other ones, was not up there with that, even though I do think they could have brought it up because... um, Well, Chim Chim Cherie seemed like nonsensical words to me as well. And she was so like, where did this come from? And who makes up nonsense, you know, when in the movie? So I was kind of surprised. And she may have brought it up, but they didn't feel it was necessary when they were filming it. I have no idea. Yeah. And listeners, I did just realize, so the, the long sequence I was talking about, I realized I never mentioned that. Oh. The step in time was the long sequence oh, that okay. I was talking about. But the Chim Chim Cheree, the part that went in with that is they were like, well, maybe we don't even need step in time because Chim Chim Cheree will be enough. But I think even though Chim Chim Cheree is such an iconic song, step in time was necessary for the movie. I'm not saying Bert's character would be any less than it is without Step in Time. Right. But I like that they gave him a little theme song that's just his and that's Chim Chim Cheree. But Step in Time kind of opened you to the world of chimney sweeps. So it wasn't just like this creepy man goes around and sings and talks to the children (laughs) by himself, but incorporated all of the chimney sweeps. Well, and I'm also interested to see that when Mary Poppins Returns comes out this fall or this Christmas, I should say, if they use any of the songs, like if she's sings them again in this new movie. Yeah, and I also, I imagine that they may change 
the song slightly. Not that I'm saying I want them to or they shouldn't, but Lin-Manuel Miranda is playing Bert. Right. And he has won many awards for Moana and Hamilton. And so I could totally see it being that he helps rearrange some of the songs. And he could. Maybe make them more modern. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I mean, it may depend on the way they do it. Because stuff like that is very tricky to do and not compromise the integrity of the original. And so I'm interested to see if they decide to keep them the same. Or maybe they arrange them differently. I don't know. But we'll have to see. Yeah, that will definitely be interesting. I am interested to see that. I'm also interested to see what part that Dick Van Dyke plays in the movie since he's the only original character returning. So I think they still should have had Julie Andrews, but maybe she didn't want to do it. Maybe she'll make a cameo and it's a surprise. That would be awesome. That would be awesome if they could keep that quiet. Yeah, if they kept it quiet and then she just makes like a cameo and it's a... Because maybe, well, Dick Van Dyke, if he signed on, he probably has some kind of character that has, I would say, hopefully multiple lines. Maybe not a huge role, but it's in the movie for multiple minutes and not just like a flashback. Kind of like Stan Lee does in all the Well, he can still be the bank guy that he was in the first one. Yeah, that's true. Because now he's older. But yeah, it would be kind of funny if Julie Andrews was just in it for like a split second. Everybody's like, hello? I would like him Or the grandpa. He could be the grandpa. That would be be awesome. So the next song that I'm going to talk about is The Ugly Bug Ball. Once a lonely caterpillar sat and cried to a sympathetic beetle by his side I've got nobody to hug I'm such an ugly bug Then a spider and a dragonfly replied If you're serious and want to win a bride Come along with us to the glorious annual ugly bug ball Come on, let's crawl, gotta crawl, gotta crawl To the ugly bug ball, to the ball, to the ball And a happy time we'll have there One and all at the ugly bug ball While the crickets clicked their tricky melodies All the ants were fancy dancing with the fleas Then up from under the ground The worms came squirming around Oh, they danced until their legs were nearly lame Every little crawling creature you could name Everyone was glad What a time they had They were so happy they came Come on, let's crawl To the ugly bug ball And a happy time we'll have there One and all at the ugly bug ball Then our caterpillar saw a pretty queen She was beautiful in yellow, black, and green He said, would you care to dance? Their dancing led to romance Then she sat upon his caterpillar knees 
And he gave his caterpillar queen a squeeze Soon they'll honeymoon, build a big cocoon Thanks to the ugly bug ball Come on, let's crawl, gotta crawl, gotta crawl To the ugly bug ball, to the ball, to the ball And a happy time we'll have there One and all at the ugly bug ball a lot of you might not know what the Ugly Bug Ball is. I know Kaylee was like, the Ugly Bug Ball, Mom? Yeah, uh, what is this song? And it was written by the Sherman Brothers, but it was sung by Burl Ives. And most people know, and he played the part of Osh Popham in the movie Summer Magic. And if you didn't know this, Burl Ives is the man who sings for the snowman in the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that did that make sense when you were listening to the yeah. two voices? Uh, this is, again, a movie. Once my mom showed me Pollyanna, I was really interested because, again, and that was one of her favorite movies when she was a child. And so then she showed me the original Parent Trap. And I was like, does she have more movies? You know how when you, mm-hmm. like, what was it? I'm trying to think. Who played in the remake of Parent Trap? Um, what's her name with the red hair? Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan. Lohan. Okay, so we watched, when we when you were younger, we watched like a series of Lindsay Lohan. So it was the same kind of thing for me, except for that I really liked Haley Mills. And I thought that she had good movies. And of course, my mom's not going to turn me away on something that she really liked as a child. Kind of like we show you 80s movies because we liked them and you're like oh that is a good movie so uh, we watched this movie together and it's called Summer Magic I think I've only seen it a couple times but it is a good movie to watch with your kid it's clean and there's not a lot of those movies that you can say now but Walt Disney didn't care for this song at first and so Robert Sherman was explaining to Disney that to bugs other bugs don't think they're ugly even if they look ugly to us so the beauty is in the eye of the beholder and then Disney liked that idea he thought well that's true we don't want people to judge us by that our outsides because they don't know us but bugs you know bugs we think we don't know we I've never talked to a bug have you talked to a bug Kaylee not recently <laughs> but I guess they assume from the bugs perspective he didn't know he was ugly and the other bugs didn't know they were ugly and so uh they just thought it would be a cool idea and it is a really cute little song that he sings and so it became one of the most popular songs of that year wow it's real it's but it in true Sherman uh, Brothers fashion it's very catchy because after I heard it a couple times. I was singing it to you before when you were saying, what is this Yeah, song? it's very pleasing to the ear and right. very catchy. Like we talked about in the last Sherman Brothers episode, all their stuff is very catchy. Even when it has a super important meaning, not necessarily like a serious meaning. Right. But the message is important. It still is catchy. And I mean, this is about an ugly bug ball. So maybe the meaning that you're supposed to take from it where the lesson is a little deeper, like the beauty is in the, be- the eye of the beholder. It's a little bit deeper. It's not as out there as some of their other songs talking about the world and the changes, but it still is super catchy. Well, and the other thing I was going to say is about Osh Popham. I can't remember because it has been quite a few years since I actually watched this movie. He's either the uncle or the grandpa of these kids and they're at his farm and he's like the wise old person that they listen to. The kid says something about that bug being ugly or something and then that's when he supposedly makes up the song and sings it to the kid and he made it seem more fun for the kid. You know what I mean? Like then the kid was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. The bugs don't know that they're, you know, the whole yeah. thing where we're talking about the beauties in the eye of the beholder kind of thing. And so I think that Walt was always about doing, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated kind of thing, which is awesome. And we wish everybody was like that. Well, moving on to our next song, Let's Get Together is another catchy song written by the Sherman Brothers for the movie The Parent Trap.
was sung by Haley Mills in the 1961 film of The Parent Trap, and it was sung uh, as a duet with herself, since they did, they had the technology, and she was playing a twin, and so she actually sang both parts, and they layered them on top of each other. The twin sisters' names were Susan Evers and Sharon McKendrick, and that was a technical feat in the early 1960s, because even the other day, when we talked about the original Parent Trap, Joey didn't realize that they didn't use two separate actors actors for it, and he goes, oh, so they used twins in the original. And we said, no, they used the same technology. And he goes, they had that? And we said, it was brand new. But yes, they had that. It was so funny, though. And so that was interesting. So it really was a technical, like, a a huge technological feat at that point. The song debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 in September of 1961 and went on to become a top 10 hit, peaking at number 8. The credit on it read Hayley Mills and Hayley Mills, referring to her singing a duet with herself. So I think that's funny that they had it like, they're just like, no, it's not two girls that sound the exact same. It's the same girl singing with herself. And I don't understand why they didn't just put sung by Haley Mills, why they felt they needed, I guess because the technology, just like Joey It did. was new, and so they probably thought we better put that it's Haley Mills and Haley Mills, but a lot of people probably thought it was a misprint. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if it was new, they wouldn't have known to think, oh, well, she's singing with herself. True. She was a Disney, she was a Disney kid, a Disney star. They really, or at least maybe the Sherman Brothers really liked her, or Disney really really liked her or all of them but I mean she sung so many of the songs and maybe she was easy to work with because you know a lot of times now they say that child actors are not easy to work with they become obstinate and think that they're better than everybody else and just maybe she was an easygoing person and I would like to think that she is and that she actually made a parent trip two and a parent trap three where she played herself she was older she oh was- I do remember that I do remember seeing that one time because I saw her older but I had no idea what I was watching and yeah. then I realized it was a sequel they weren't as popular, and I want to say that they, they were the movies that they played on Sunday nights when I used to watch Sunday nights, The Wonderful World of Disney. I could be mistaken, and I I, I can look that up later. Not I'm not going to do it right now unless you're working on your another song. I can maybe go over it and see. But uh, if you see those somewhere, like even on YouTube, which I don't know because Disney's getting that streaming company, if all that stuff's been pulled now. Because I know when, when I was researching this, there were some YouTube videos that had been blocked because I'm sure it's because of the streaming service that's coming up. Yes, I would imagine so. I, and to be honest, I can't believe that the rights haven't been pulled before then because Disney's kind of picky about that. Yeah, that's true. And YouTube in general is picky about who can post what and normal people can't post. They'll get um, flagged and they have to pay if they're going to use music like that. 
that's copyrighted. So right. it's pretty strict now, but I will say, yeah, it's just, I mean, being a music person, listeners, I probably say that in every episode. So you know <laughs> by now. Um, if it's getting annoying, let us know. If it's, if you like it, let us know also. I do think you can tell that the technology is a little bit newer at that point because there are points, especially during this scene, you can see when she's singing next to herself, they're not always in time with each other right. because she filmed it separately. So she's not actually seeing herself next right. to her. So when they move, they move a little out of time from each other because they had to layer it. And I'm sure it was very challenging. new and yeah. challenging for her because she was the first person to ever do it. And so they just told her, okay, so you're actually going to be here, but you right now is right here. And so you need to make sure you stay in this zone and don't pass this. And you have to do this, but you also need to sing the song and make sure you're acting your part properly. So, I mean, for a kid, I'm sure she was a teenager at this point, like a young teen, probably around 12 or 13. But at the same time, that's a lot to do for a young girl. And at that point, it was just all so new for everybody. And she was the one that got to premiere that technology. And so that is really interesting because that just made me think of something. So that was in 1961. Yeah. Because the Patty Duke show. Okay. And that was in color. Okay. Yes. So then the Patty Duke show didn't start airing until 1963. And she played double parts, but it was in black and white. Maybe. Well, I'm wondering if it was because, you know, Disney spares no expense with things. Maybe. And at that point, maybe it was just too much to do in color. Or maybe they had always dreamed of it in black and white. So they wanted it that way. Well, later episodes towards the end, like in 65 and 66, it turned to color. Maybe it was more expensive to do it in color and they didn't have the budget for it. So they started in black and white. And then if it took off, they probably had the money to go through color and do it that way. You can Uh, tell when my parents were raised because I watch a lot of stuff from the the 60s. That's true. I realize that. But yeah, this, I don't know. The song itself premiered a lot of technology with it. For it real. was all I mean, the song steals the show in the scene. When you pay attention, you have to think about the technology that went into it because it's her singing with herself. That makes it even better. There are some cheesy parts in there, though. Um, I think that in, this is my personal opinion, and, I, and I'm sorry if anyone from Disney is offended by this. I don't mean it in a bad way. That is so technologically advanced in the movie. But there's the one part where she's supposed to be walking in the park with the mom, but you can tell Tell it's not real. Like you can tell the background oh, is yeah, fake. They don't have green about. screen back then. And so you have the one thing that's so far advanced, and then the other thing you're thinking, oh, that could have done that, I think, live and it would have been better. True. You know what I mean? Like But you have to think at that time, would it have been as big of a deal? No, probably nobody thought about it. And so it's kind of just stuff like that when you go back and watch things like Ghostbusters or things from the 80s. Like, <laughs> like Poltergeist used to be really <laughs> scary. And it's not anymore. It's almost laughable because you watch it and these people are traumatized and they're screaming at these things that you're looking at. Like, these look like cartoons. These are not scary. But, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. It changes all the time, so. So, substitutionary locomotion is from bed knobs and broomsticks. I am not saying that five times because I don't think I could say it without messing it up. But it's the next song. Substitutionary locomotion, mystic power that's far beyond the wildest notion. It's so weird, so feared, yet wonderful to see. Substitutionary locomotion, come to me. Draguna, Macoides, Tracorum, Satis D. Draguna, Macoides, Tracorum, Satis D. I don't want locomotionary substitution or remote in transitory convolution. Only one precise solution is the key. 
Substitutionary locomotion it must be. Tracuna, Macoides, and Tracorum say this be. So this song was in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, like I said, and it was sung by Angela Lansbury's character, Miss Price. And she was testing the substitutionary locomotion spell on Professor Brown's shoes. And it um, it came out in December of 1971, and the title of the song means to give life to things without. So she was trying to make the shoes live or walk around without a body inside of them. And it's, it's really kind of funny. And if you've never seen that movie, again, the technology for the time was far from what we have now. Obviously, they could make shoes tap dance on the computer. They literally had to do it. I'm sure if we watch close enough, we would be able to see like fishing wire or you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the whatever they used to make it happen. And you've seen, even if you've not seen that whole movie, I know when we play Disney trivia, you've seen I've a couple. I've seen parts of it. I've seen the part where uh, one boy is turned into a toad. Yes. Or a bunny because she tries to turn him into a toad. Yes. And then she says something like she was a little off and she says, I always struggle with toads or something like that. <laughs> But you said you're not sure if I've seen the whole thing. I don't think you have. It just—it does seem kind of like an odd movie, but I had not heard this song, so I needed to look at it. And I looked at it when we were researching for the episode, and it kind of sounds cultish at the beginning. I was watching it, so I know that's not what was going on, but they were kind of whisper chanting, and then she starts doing her spell, and I'm just sitting there thinking, this is a Disney movie. Well, what are we doing? It was really, I would say, it was controversial for the time because it was like, like witchcraft, kind of like when Harry Potter first yeah. came out. And it was kind of, or even when Hocus Pocus came out, oh, there yeah. were people that raised red flags. They're like, oh, this is a witch movie. Um, we shouldn't watch that. And, and That's true. And uh, we had a pastor one time, and I'm not getting off on God, I'm just saying, he said that God made all things in the world to be or use our imagination or whatever, and it's okay to watch that and as long as you realize that witchcraft is not real or you shouldn't think it's real because it's not. And so uh, they like fly over London on a bed, and it's... Uh, it's pretty weird. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to go back. You're looking at me like, and you watch this movie? Yeah, it just seems so odd. I know this is different, but it kind of just reminds me of the time because I do remember kind of getting off track a little bit, but I remember in original scenes from the original Pete's Dragon, um, the like Pete had a hat on, and I do remember asking you what that was because they were in a classroom and he was wearing like this tall cone hat. Oh. And I was like, Mom, what is he wearing? And you went, it's a dunce cat. And I didn't know what that was, but you told me it was for kids to make them feel dumb, pretty yeah. much. And that was a normal thing. So, I mean, witchcraft, and then they're like, but it's okay to put a hat on a kid's head and but say, that's how it you're was. dumb. Which I get that. And I mean, sometimes I do look at students that I work with and I'm like, you're acting so dumb right now. Please stop. I need to just like raise a sign so you know. But red flag, red flag. I'm not going to put a hat on their head and point and laugh and tell all the kids to do that because that's not the point. 
and stand them in a corner and yeah, you just don't do that stuff anymore. So I do think that's kind of interesting how people were like, that's fine, but this this witchcraft nonsense, this is not okay. Yeah, well, you know, everybody has their own opinions and that's what makes this world go around. So just like all the other goofy, uh, nonsensical songs that the Sherman Brothers made up, this was another one of them, but Walt liked this song, thought it was catchy and he hmm. liked to sing it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean... I'm not I'm, sure how he's saying it because if you look up the lyrics to this thing, the words are pretty hard. It's the spell itself. I'm sure he just hummed it. <laughs> Even if he couldn't sing the words, he was like, you know, it's catchy enough. But I do imagine, I kind of wonder that when there are specific songs that it was said that Walt loved this song, Walt liked this song, and like they'll make a point of saying he liked it. So sometimes I wonder, did he not like all of the songs that got put into the movies? Or were they just not his favorites? Or Well, because uh, I know when we were doing it last week and they said... He originally contracted the Sherman Brothers for Annette Vonicello. Well, then they thought they were coming to present that song. And then when they got there, it's like his, it's like he had ADD. And he's like, oh, but I want you to look at this, uh, what was it? For Now, For Always movie that I got going here. And they're like, oh, well, we thought we were here to present this song. And so he said, well, it's okay, but I want you to see what you can do with this. So I think his mind, you know, had so many great ideas in it sometimes. That's why I feel like he is, uh, part of him is alive inside the movie Up, because I feel like he's Doug sometimes. Squirrel! Squirrel! Like he's always on to the next yeah. thing to make, not necessarily make the next, next butt, but the next thing that's in his brain. Yeah, and I, was, think, I think that's why he was so thankful to have a team like the Sherman Brothers, because he would just have an idea and they'd be like, okay, we'll work on it, and then he could already throw them other, like, they would almost always have it done by the time his next idea had just like good. developed and so for him that was a big deal and so people always said he was just so appreciative and I think it was because he knew he had all these ideas but he couldn't make them happen by himself right. and so he was thankful to have people to help him because there's no way that they would have happened right exactly without a good team so our next song is It's a Small World the title of this song was originally Children of the World, and that was when they first started writing it. Um, the tentative soundtrack played the national anthem of each country, but playing all of them at the same time created too much dissonance, which makes sense, because there's lots of national anthems trying to mix those all together. I know, I know. With not compromising the integrity of any of them. Um, but Walt did a walkthrough of a model of the ride, and he told the Sherman Brothers that I need one song that can be easily translated into many languages and be played as 
as a round. That doesn't seem that hard, but when you know music, that's pretty restrictive, especially the translated into many languages because things don't translate easily. And at this time, they didn't have Google Translate. So (laughs) they didn't say, Google, tell me how to sing this song in German. (laughs) So you had to do it all on your own. So uh, Dick and Bob wrote It's a Small World and then After All, because that's the whole line. In the wake of the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, which influenced the song's message of peace and brotherhood. When they first presented it to Walt, they played it as a slow ballad, but Walt requested something more cheerful, so they sped up the tempo and sang in counterpoint, um, which is multiple moving lines at one time, lots of accompaniment. Walt was so delighted with the final result of the song that he renamed the attraction It's a Small World after the Sherman Brothers song. Now that is pretty cool. And that's basically what happened with the parent track. Yeah. He had this for now, for always, and his mind is what the story was going to be. And then he's like, oh, yeah, they're trying to trap the parents. That's perfect. We need to make this the parent trap. So like you said before, I think that he had the originating idea. He just needed somebody to help him pull out what he needed to make it sell or to make it be catchy enough for people to want to sing it. Well, and I mean like that is probably one of the like most hated and most loved things in all of Disney. Like, because you, yes, because you have the song and the ride. But I mean, I'm at the point now where I appreciate, like when I was younger, like 12 and 13, I was just like, get me out. I don't want to hear it. But I mean, I understand, especially if you get stuck in that ride. If you've been stuck on that ride, you know what I'm talking about, where you're stuck in one spot and you move two inches at a time while people are loading and unloading. And you're stuck hearing that song on loop, on loop, on loop, and that's it. But it's worth it to see all the dolls because they're so insanely intricate when you actually like take a good look at them. And I have my favorite ones that we see every time. Like I have my favorite dolls, like the surfer and the hula girls. There's one specific one. Listeners, this is just a fun fact in the Small World Ride. If you look in one of the rooms, I believe it is the same room as the hula dancers and the surf boy, the surfer boy. It's up. If you look all the way up and you look to the left, there is a huge hill with a doll that you would probably never see, but it has a flute and that makes me happy because that's my instrument. But because there are multiple flutes throughout that ride, that's the only one that's held like a modern bohm flute that I play. And so that makes me happy. But that's just a fun fact. The song, though, is the fact because, I mean, Joey probably wouldn't ride that if we didn't make him. Oh, no, I knew. No, because he's always like, oh my gosh, this is 15 minutes of my life. I can never get back again. But it's 15 minutes of air-conditioned entertainment. Well, and the thing with that is, he is musical, and he hears things like you do. He picks out chord structures and different things in the music, or he'll be like, oh, did you hear they played a blah, blah, you know, a different this chord or whatever. So he understands why that was all pieced together that way. So I'm not, I'm hoping that the older he gets, that he'll start to appreciate it more like you do, because he understands the chord structures. Yeah, and the other thing is I do think it makes a difference hearing that song on the ride as opposed to just hearing it because just hearing it you can appreciate that there's so many different languages used. They use a lot of the traditional instruments from different countries Yeah. but when you're in the ride the dolls that are themed for each country those instrumentations come out more when you're near them. So if you're near one with a guitar right. like in the, the uh, gondola area there's one that plays a guitar and the guitar is way more present at that point in the ride because that's what you 
you see, or when you see the, the bongo drums. The bongos are way much way louder. The arrangement is swung depending on where you're at because certain countries jazz is very right. prominent. Um, German, that's another one. That's yeah. one that stands out because the little girls sing the ooh la la at the end, <laughs> and the Paris they both do that, and so those are pretty significant and specific to each country. But I do think that was like huge hit. I mean, I know some people hate it and they're like, it's just the same thing on repeat. But when you have to repeat it in the same language and Walt's like, yeah, it has to be easily translated. They're kind of restricted. So it makes sense. Right. And uh, this is just a fun fact that it's not about the music. This last trip, if you hadn't heard our Christmas recap trip that we did, one of the Uber drivers actually drove a lady to work. And what was it like two o'clock in the morning or something that he said? Yes, it was very early in the morning. Or and her night, job is to go on It's a Small World every day or her five days a week. Go on It's a Small World and make sure that the clothes have not come unsnapped or unhooked or they're not hanging or a thread's not there. She makes sure they look pristine. And I always wondered that because those uh, creatures or animals or people, they all move. They're animatronic. And so I guess they could come loose or the jacket snap could come loose or whatever. And that is her job to just make sure that everything looks great for when the park opens up. They are down to the every detail. That's just insane. And they dust. I mean, they, they do more than... They do everything, which is that one of the rides, because I know a lot of Disney rides, they actually don't shut off because it would be more work to shut them off and turn them back on than just leave them on. I don't know. I know that they talked about Slash Mountain being like that. Because it's older and so it's harder for it to start up so they just leave it on. But It's a Small World is kind of old, even though they've refurbed a lot. Um, I just wonder if that's one of those rides because some of those dolls, I mean, some of the dolls sing, some of them don't, but some of them have way more intricate body movements than the others. And so I'm wondering if those people's jobs is also not necessarily to fix mechanical problems, but if they notice them, they need to report them and be like, this doll in this spot is like giving problems. You need some WD-40. Yeah, I almost wonder, (laughs) sometimes I almost wonder like if it would be like us reporting on kids, be like, that one is acting up again and they're like, just fixed it. (laughs) And so, I mean, because when we go every year, there's like the problems that I see every year. And I'm just like, I wonder if these people get so tired of fixing the same one because it gives problems all the time. But that's And just, it may just be because of what it does. Yeah. So the last song that I'm going to talk about today is The Wonderful World of Color. Color.
introductory song of the show, The Wonderful World of Color, that ran on television off and on, because it wasn't on the whole time, from 1954 to 1991, there were spurts when they didn't have it on. And for me, it was mostly on Sunday night. And this song just reminds me of my childhood. And I think I mentioned this the last time and probably in other previous podcasts. My family would always sit and watch this together. My dad worked nights and Sunday night, he didn't go to work on Sunday night. So even he, if he was awake, because sometimes he was exhausted from running a program or whatever, but we would sit as a family and watch a Walt Disney movie and listen to Walt say, welcome tonight and see Tinkerbell fly around and all this. But I remember this song being played. Probably some of you do too. It does, it has changed versions, which Kaylee and I talked about before we started the show. She remembered it as sounding another way, but I wanted to play the original, the one that the Sherman Brothers had originally wrote before I think somebody else maybe, or maybe they rearranged it. I don't know. I mean, I, I could go and research that some more to find out, but it's just one of those famous childhood memories for me. And I just hear that song. And when I would hear it, I would be like, oh, it's time for Disney. And then my brother and I would run into the living room and we'd sit down and my mom would sometimes make popcorn for us. And, you know, just crazy things that you remember as a child. But Disney has always had fond memories for me, even though I didn't go to Disney until I was an adult. Yeah. I mean, this song for me, I don't know it like that because, I mean, the show ended before I was alive. Yes, so, I know. <laughs> I mean, I and didn't hear it. Before I was it. married. Uh, true. Um, but I didn't hear it in its, like, former glory. I heard it after. And I always know that people kind of tease about the wonderful world of color just because they're just like, oh, the world of color. And they kind of, like, make it magical and fantastical kind of sounding. But, I mean, I think that's what Walt wanted it to be. That's why it was like that. Well, yeah, because, like, whatever episode that we just did recently, we talked about how many color schemes are used on the castle uh, when they're projecting things. What did we, It was like 1.6. It was like millions. Yeah. That's why I think that this song was created. He knew that we could make more colors than they're out there and he wanted to bring that to life. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I think I do think it's nice that they use it in like they'll use it throughout the parks in different shows and stuff. And right. also like in One Man's Dream where I've heard it. And that's the version that I've... And the listeners, the version you just heard, the original is slow. And it's very mellow. But the one I rem- remember hearing, I guess the first time all the way through was in One Man's Dream in Hollywood Studios where it's pretty upbeat and cheery. It's kind of almost like, I don't even know how to describe it, like skipping tempo almost. Very upbeat and lively rather than just mellow, what you just heard, which both versions are very pretty. It fit the 1954 time period though for music. You could hear it in the vocals. Like those vocals were very distinct for the time period. Kind of reminds you of pre-hairspray. Yeah, and so I think almost the version... The upbeat version is almost more like for a cartoon opening is kind of what you would think. (laughs) But both are still very good and hold true to what Walt wanted for it. So that is the end of this episode. But that was really fun looking at more of their music like we did last time. This music I was more familiar with actually than a lot of the other ones. And um, there were a couple that I got to listen to and they were brand new. And I had never even, I didn't even know they were existing. Not like let alone Disney things. But it's fun to try to talk about them and how they broke it down and how they decided on different things or just hearing what happened in the making of them yeah and they're so different too right they cover such different themes and they're for such different stories but they still make them sound good for everything oh man so if you are interested in being a guest on our show or you have a question or a comment simply text us at 407-674-0414 or email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com or if you would like to book our trip or even just want a free quote text us at 407-674-0414 or contact us at travel at mousecapades.com 
Disney.net. Also, remember to check out our friends at WaltExpress.com for all things Disney. At the end of this podcast, we've added some other Sherman Brothers classics for your listening pleasure. And we'd like to thank you for listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears, the Mousecapades podcast. Join us on Wednesday as we bring the latest Disney news, a rumor or two, and some history. Well, Kaylee, I think it's about that time. Peace. Love and pixie dust. Have a magical day, my friends. Tropical hideaway, you lucky people, you. If we weren't in the show, starting right away, we'd think the audience knew. All together in the tiki 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 room, in the tiki 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 room. All the birds sing words and the flowers croon in the tiki 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 room. I sing so beautiful, I should sing so low. See, so low we can't hear you. My voice may not be so marvelous, but my profile is out of this world. Jawohl, but the trouble is, it's not far enough out of this world. Isn't that right, Herr Schmidt? <laughs> I see Schmidt has no hair. Me amigo, stop the clucking. You sound like a bunch of old hands. There's a lot of birds waiting to go on. For instance... The boys in the back are coming cause... Because of their claws? No, because they're macaws And our fine feathered friend is a jolly toucan And two can sound better than one toucan can The bird of paradise is an elegant bird It likes to be seen and it loves to be heard Most little birdies will fly away But the tiki room birds are here every day In the tiki 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 room In the tiki 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 room Birds sing words and the flowers croon in the tiki 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 room. Our show is delightful. We hope you'll agree. We hope that it fills you with pleasure and glee. Because if we don't make you feel like that, we're gonna wind up on a lady's hat in the tiki 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 room. In the tiki 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 room. All the birds sing words and the flowers croon in the tiki 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 room. Our magnificent production is yet to come. So strongly. And beat the drum. We've been a hit, and we know you adore us. So come on and join us in another chorus. In the tiki 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 room. In the tiki 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 room. I need some love. job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap! The job's a game. And every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake, a lark, a spree. It's very clear to see that a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. A robin feathering his nest has very little time to rest while gathering his bits of twine.
line and twig. Though quite intent in his pursuit, he has a merry tune to toot. He knows a song will move the job along. Go down, the medicine go down, medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. They take a little nip from every flower that they sip, and hence, and hence, they find, they find, their task is not a
For paper and strings You can have your own set of wings With your feet on the ground You're a bird in flight With your fist holding tight To the string of your kite Oh, let's go fly a kite Up to the highest height Let's Go fly a kite and send it soaring Up through the atmosphere Up where the air is clear Oh, let's go fly a kite When you send it flying up there All at once you're lighter than air you can dance on the breeze over houses and trees With your fist holding tight to the string of your kite been listening to the all-new Mousecapades podcast. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. If you have questions, comments, or would like to be a guest on the show, please visit our website. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. And have a magical day.